you've got to develop your own uh, style of it that is contemporary, yeah. and it you know that becomes a, you know the stained glass art. Hey, Alan Hoosen, welcome to episode 86 of the Kamena Voice. Today I speak with the owner of Archibald Glass. Please welcome Jack Archibald. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kamena Voice Podcast, where I interview folks around Kamena Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, Subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I got to speak to the owner of Archibald Glass. Uh, so Jack Archibald is a public uh, glass artist uh, working with stained glass and creating stained glass murals. Uh, primarily for public art. He's done a few private things here and there, but overall it's mainly public projects that he works on. And I've known Jack, uh, well, I've known of Jack for quite a while because he's done a lot of projects in our community uh, and he's worked with my dad on some projects. So he's worked with my dad on the um, art installation that was in Islanders, which is now the uh, Snow Isle Regional Library here on Camano Island. Um, And then it's also, uh, you know, he's done projects. I've seen them, you know, uh, in other places, um, and then actually, uh, he's also, my dad commissioned him to do his front door of his house, so um, anyway, so I've got to see his art and his artwork quite a bit, um, and I was really looking forward to this conversation with him, and um, just had a great time talking with him, finding out, like, how did he get started in uh, blown glass art and, and creating these murals, um, where, you know, where he kind of le- picked up things along the way, where he's done his projects, because in public art, you kind of go wherever the work is. So he's done projects um, all over the place. So you'll hear about all of those and some of the projects that he's done. And um, yeah, so anyways, looking forward to sharing this with you. Uh, we went a little long, so I went ahead and broke this into two parts. Um, so we got the first part this week, and next week come back for episode 87, which will be part two of this episode. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jack Archibald. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today I'm here with another Commando Island artist. Welcome to the podcast, Jack Archibald. Hi, Brandon. Thanks for asking me down here. Yeah, well, thanks for joining me. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Jack. Well... I came to uh, Kamano Island back in about 1977. I moved out of the city where uh, I had a little dose of it. Just wanted to get back to the land, set my soul free, as they say. And so I bought a shack down uh, on the south end for about $24,000. Got about seven acres of land with it, and uh, kind of that's how I got here. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So where did you grow up? I grew up all over. I was born in Maine. My dad was in the Forest Service, so we uh, traveled all over America. We were in California, Michigan, Mississippi, Georgia, North Carolina, and Wisconsin, finally, and then I ended up out here. I took a honeymoon out here, and it was the prettiest place I'd ever been, and it took a little while to get back, but I got back. <laughs> so Nice. So during all your moving around, then, were there certain places that you kind of stayed longer and stuff? Well, we lived in Georgia quite a while, and uh, and I went to high school and college back in uh, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, but Wisconsin's kind of chilly in the winter, and so uh, I had a dose of that. I wanted to go someplace a little warmer, but not hot. So, you know, Washington kind of fit the bill. Nice. Yeah. 
Very cool. Um, what do you kind of remember the most about each of those places that you lived growing up? Happy to leave, mostly, <laughs> um, to be truthful. Wisconsin has its charms, and it's a pretty place in the autumn. And uh, Georgia, we lived in the mountains, you know, okay. uh, up in there. I so didn't that know they was. They mountains. They do. They have Appalachian Trail running oh, through okay. there, and uh, we used to hike that all the time. And I grew up with Dad being the Forest Service. Uh, you know, in North Carolina, we grew up in a ranger station that now is a part of their, uh, I don't know if it's a national park, but it's a heritage place. It's the uh, birthplace of the Forest Service. And to go back and see that that was where we lived is, is kind of special. Wow. Um, so I always liked the woods. Um, and that Appalachian country, Georgia, North Carolina, it was nice. And, yeah. Uh, but when you get older and you've got to find jobs, that's a little different. Yeah. Um, but by then, I lived in Wisconsin. Okay. And I lived all over that state. And uh, so I, Madison, Wisconsin, went to college. And uh, and then I lived in northern Wisconsin, went to high school in northern Wisconsin. And, okay. Uh, it's kind of redneck. Uh, it's a good place to leave. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> nice. What did you study when you went to college? I studied uh, social, sociology and English. I majored in both of them. And uh, I was going to be a teacher. I lasted about half a year. And uh, myself and the administration didn't see eye to eye. And I thought, I'm probably not cut out to be a teacher. So I, <laughs> I moved on to uh, bus driving and worked in a kennel and did all kinds of odd jobs. And uh, I just wanted at that time to be a writer. Okay. So I, I thought I might be a writer then. And uh when I came out here, uh, I fell into the glass uh, eventually. So I okay. ended up in different form of art. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were starting then, when you were kind of doing these different careers and stuff like that, was that like, had you always had a bent towards like art and things like that? No, no. Actually, I didn't have any art background uh, per se. And so when I came here, I, that house I bought, it was a shack. It's a, built in about 1910. Mm -hmm. And, uh, drafty old place and it had plastic on the windows and it had some plywood shoved up against holes and so I wanted to you know seal it up at some point and mm -hmm. I didn't have any building skills and so I guess I wasn't willing to learn at the time and so I I fell into uh I, I saw a night class down at Stanwood High School mm -hmm. and so I went down I signed up I went for a two-hour session they had I never went back after I after it's a pretty it's a pretty simple craft. Mm -hmm. You know, you cut some glass, you put some lead around it, you solder it and putty it up and off you go. And so I filled up my windows by the, you know, by the time the second class, I probably should have gone back and learned some of the, <laughs> you know, intricacies of the, of the craft, but that's how I ended up in stained glass. And, okay. uh, and actually doing a few windows, I kind of fell in love with it. It was, uh, it was surprising, but it's, it's, you're like a crow. You bring the sparkly stuff back to the nest you know, and it's, uh, you know, you just fall in love with it. Yeah. Um, so I, I did glass for, uh, myself, you know, mm -hmm. I just was, it was like a hobby. And so, uh, but then finally I was working, it's kind of an expensive little craft. You've got to buy this stained glass and, uh, the materials and the tools. And so my, my artwork, call it that, got smaller and smaller. And I really didn't like working real small. Okay. And so, uh, Anyway, I eventually decided I gotta I gotta sell some of this stuff. So I had a part time job as a graveyard shift orderly down at uh, Everett Hospital. Okay. And so I would take in a, mm. you know, a, a stained glass window and uh, and walk around with it, a little show and tell. And a nurse or a doctor, or one of the staff would say, "Oh, I'd be interested in one of those." And so I was selling a little bit of stained glass down there. Uh, and finally, I decided if I'm going to keep doing this. Um, 
I don't want to just be making flowers and I don't want to be making Victorian and I don't want to be, uh, you know, the usual stuff you see. Mm -hmm. So I needed to kind of learn my own, get my own art and get my own, uh, you know, style. Yeah. And so eventually I said, I won't do those. I just, I just said, no, I'm going to do my own work. And I'd show them things I'd done. Usually Mm -hmm. that worked out. People kind of, you know, what they see is what they believe. And they'd say, well, okay. And then they'd give me a little carte blanche to, to try it out. And it worked out. And so eventually, you know, I, I got a little installation, you know, skills and you'd learn how to go down and put in a larger window. And, and so that was all going well and good. And, uh, but I'd worked at the hospital for 10 years and I was kind of burning out on it. Okay. And, uh, so anyway, we decided at some point we, we'd paid off our mortgage on the old shack and, uh, decided maybe the time has come. I'll take, my wife let me do this too. I mean, if you'd seen what I'd built on my place before, you, you tip your hat to her <laughs> that she's going to let me do this, build my own house. And so I took two years off and I thought, I'm going to build this house. I'm going to not have a mortgage. So that'll save me a lot of money down the line. Yeah. But hopefully when it's all said and done, I'll find a way to make a living at this stained glass. And, uh, it's like any art. It, it's hard to make a living at art. Yeah. And, uh, so during the course of it, I'd applied for the Washington State Arts Commission roster. Okay. Could get on their list. They got, oh, I don't know how many on it now, probably 600 to 1,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I, I was rejected the first time I applied, but they next year, second year came around, and I got on. Okay. Which, you know, fine, I okay. And I, when they told me I was on, they, I, they said, well, you're on our roster, but don't expect to get a commission. You know, it's very unlikely. Um, but congratulations anyway, you know, <laughs> on virtually nothing. But a week week or a month later, it was pretty quick. Uh, they called me. I said, well, we, we've got a, a commission for you over in Wenatchee for, a, for an elementary school. So I went over and I thought, great, great, great. And it was a budget of $6,500, which at the time was a, a fortune to me. Yeah. And uh, so they the way it works in the Washington Arts Commission, they have a budget. And then you tell them what you would propose. They picked you as the artist. Now you say, okay, this is what I would like to do for you. Okay. And so I walked into school and right when you walk in the front door, they had this big circular, uh, windows that went into the library, the kid's library. And so I said, I'll do the entire thing. And, uh, my arts guy said, uh, let's go outside and talk. And, <laughs> and he took me outside and he says, you don't have the budget for that. And I said, trust me, you know, this is, this is great. I says, I'll make a little money at it. I'll get to do something other than bathroom screen windows and I'll get to do my own art and it'll be great. And, uh, so I did. And they were, they were, you know, thunderstruck. I would do something that big for that little of budget. And, uh, so that opened up a door a little bit. You know, you, you compete in the arts scene. You, you end up competing with other artists, not necessarily glass artists, but all kinds of other artists. So it's a competition, which is, kind of surprising you know at the time I was sort of like oh this is you know I didn't expect to be in that that situation at any rate while I was building my house uh I thought gee I hope I have enough money to finish building this house and we'd actually run out of money I was I'd had some wood I I was building cabinets and I was you know noodling around stuff that I could get done while we were waiting to see if we could get more money Mm -hmm. and I got a call from the arts commission again and they, they had a uh, big uh, transportation center. They were building state patrol uh, headquarters and transportation center, Department of Licensing, and they picked me to do it. And it was a 
$35,000 budget, which meant I'm going to finish the house. That was one of my very favorite days to know that, <laughs> yeah, this house isn't going to sit here un, unfinished for who knows how long. Yeah. So I got that project, and that turned into a uh, 70-foot by 20-foot glass mural for a fairly, wow. you know, modest budget. Now, it, it, it's, uh, you know, my modus operandi in the early days was give them five times more than they're expecting and you get a good you when you compete like i say you've got to compete yeah you have to build a slide portfolio yeah and uh so i didn't have much other mm -hmm. than just little bathroom windows and things i'd done little you know and uh so when you can show them a 70 foot by 20 foot mural um it opens doors um it really does and so it it paid for me in the long run yeah. to offer more than that well that became kind of my you know my uh trademark is that when i got something like that give them more and it, it my time was you know, i don't have overhead i'm working mm -hmm. out of my old shack and uh so it was great you know it just it worked out really well and yeah. over the years those doors would open up you get another nice project you you know and and also in the course of that um to build you usually have to send in 10 slides 10 work, 10 uh, examples of work. Well, you know, there's two, right? Okay, that leaves eight. And so I would, I started, you know, donating some art around here. I think at the time I did the, uh, well, we did the visitor center when we built the visitor center. Yeah. And the senior, the new senior center, I gave them the front, the front entryways. Okay. And, uh, and little by little, I think Muckle Teal Library, I got a commission from them. So I gave them another one for their entryway as, as a, bonus piece and uh so eventually i ended up with 10 slides that were pretty good to compete with yeah and so over the years i just fell into public art okay you know i i got a few commissions on the side but primarily i became a public artist and that was that was an interesting detour to be honest uh you know, I came down here to kind of to hide, you know, to live down close to the land, to just kind of restart my life. Mm -hmm. And you end up kind of becoming a, an artist of some sort. And then, you know, it starts to actually make you some money and mm -hmm. you actually love doing it. Yeah. And uh, so that was fairly wonderful. And so giving, you know, donations to build your portfolio just led to, yeah, I'm not busy. Why not just give donations when you're not when you don't have other commissions, just, you know, keep rolling. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's been a good life that way. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So I want to go back a little bit, um, with that really big one, the 70 foot by 25 foot mural, when you were starting to put that together, um, can you kind of take us through the whole process of that? Because like construction of all that alone is really difficult and mind boggling, but then like starting that out, how did you kind of go through that whole process? One of the things about making large-scale windows that you run into is that the the openings you have are possibly too big to be structural for the for the glass work itself so one of the things i learned over the years was you know you you kind of draw it up and you you break it into components you break it into sections and you build your own mullion system the mullion system would be the framework inside a, a big storefront window let's okay. say and so you're building it your own framework for that and then you're molding into that so essentially when you lay this whole big design out you're, you've got to have a big enough floor and i uh, that particular project we laid out at uh the edison eye up in uh edison 
And a lot of them that I've done over the years have been, uh, well, at first I was in a barn next door, Kim Nishi's barn, and we'd go up there and the, you know, the, uh, the swallows would crap all over my patterns overnight and you'd work in the cold and et cetera, et cetera, and uneven floor, <laughs> but you had room to spread out a, you know, a 20, 30, 50, whatever it was. Uh, eventually I ended up in the South Grange. Okay. Uh, I do a lot of drawing down to South Grange. Okay. And uh, they have a nice floor and it's, you know, they, they rent it to me and they're wonderful about it. And it's a joy to go down there by yourself and it's, and you can, heat it. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and there aren't swallows overhead building nests. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a, a nice place to build. But to answer your original question, is that stained glass basically, now we're, once we've laid that out and we've separated those mullions, so you've got the design flows through whatever your size uh, mural is. Okay. So now you're going to build a puzzle. You're going to have each puzzle piece, you know, inside the mullions. And okay. spaced accordingly, which is your biggest fear when you're a when you're an upstart like me at the beginning, you're always worried that when you go to put that up, that circle is going to be, uh, you didn't really, you know, it's going to be kind of oblong, <laughs> but little by little, you gain some confidence and, uh, you know, and it's always scary. Some of these big projects are, are really kind of for a kid that's just trying to learn the trade. You know, it's like, yeah, you're kind of up on scaffolding or lift trucks or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, working above all this stuff. And, uh, but the stained glass itself, is is like I say, went to two hour class. Basically, I've never, it's never changed. You you cut pieces of glass. Mm -hmm. You've got your pattern. You cut, which is called a cartoon, by the way. Okay. And uh, and so, one of the reasons you wanna, I wanted to move off from doing traditional stained glass is that somebody, a client, say, would come down and say, I'd like to have an eagle, or I want a sunset with that sailboat. Well. Your pattern is a cartoon, and the window's going to be a cartoon, too. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a sophisticated drawing. It's going to be kind of a cartoon. So if you want to be a stained glass artist, I think, at least in my, this is my take on it, you've got to develop your own uh, style of it that is contemporary. Yeah. And, it, you know, that becomes, a, you know, the stained glass art. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's about the glass. Yeah. You know, and how glass reflects, refracts, how it looks at night during the day, how it looks in different, you know, lighting situations. And that's something you learn over the years, but that's really what glass does. I mean, mm -hmm. it's magic stuff. You know, it's, uh, you know, the way it changes is incredible. So yeah. I use a lot of, of blown glass that has flashing on one side. So it, on one side, it'll reflect that glass back at you under certain lighting situations. It'll be kind of cold. Mm -hmm. looking kind of but on the other side looking with with light coming through it'll be warm and it won't bounce back at you so it's a whole different window wow. you know it, it it's yeah a, you know it it's one of the it, it it's one of the best things about working with glass is how it'll just change but back to the you're cutting the glass you're putting lead around it and now you solder each each joint you're done with that panel let's say now you have to flip you Flip it over, solder the other side. Then you put putty on it. I make my own putty the way they used to do in 1300 for the cathedrals. And uh, and so you push that in, push that in with brush, brush it in. It's real nasty, messy work. Um, and then you clean that all up, flip it over, do the other side. So what's the putty do then? It really is what solidifies the whole panel. Okay. And it becomes kind of a cement. Okay. It's kind of like, it's not quite concrete, but it hardens up in a day. Okay. And even just when it's sort of soft and mushy in there, it'll firm up that panel. So now imagine you're working with a uh, four foot by six foot panel. 
Yeah. And you've got to flip that thing. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did too. And so <laughs> I would try different strategies. I, I would I would sandwich it with uh, plywood and try to pull it off the table, flip it around. And my back was going out. You know, it's, it's like terrible. It's, it weighs a ton. Yeah. You got two pieces of plywood on top of it. It's awkward. You're struggling with it. And you're worried about breaking the thing. So I finally got a design built for the, I built my table, which is about, oh, three foot by eight foot. Okay. And it pivots on the ends, on the long ends. And so you, you put it in and now the bed of the thing is plywood. And so when you get done with one side, you put the top on the other side, they're real close together. So it doesn't drop, you know, half a foot. Yeah. And then you flip it over, pull the pins. And now you put the other piece of plywood you know, it becomes the bottom, and so you can yeah. rotate this by yourself. Oh, One, okay. Once it's puttied and soldered, the thing is pretty uh, handleable. Okay. You know, without fear of breaking it. It's heavy, but it's still, you can manage it. Instead of having a crew standing there waiting to, for you to get this, yeah. this thing ready to go. So it makes a one-man operation you know, kind of viable. Yeah. And that was a big, that was a big deal. How big were the panels in your, the 70 foot by 25? Those were actually five foot by six foot and they were a little too big and I wouldn't want to be that big anymore. So I, if I knew what I knew now, then we'd have broken those windows in half. Okay. I think and had them be, uh, I don't know which way, way it would be, but say three foot by five. Yeah. And then multiply them down. But, uh, Anyway, so we have done we have done some. We did a project in Alaska a couple of years back, and uh, Larry Bach, who lives on the island here, drove me up and helped me install these things. But we spent most of our time putting in the interior, you know, mullion systems, um, just big, big aluminum tubes, and then okay. you know, creating a, you know, that we get them up and be able to install in that thing. Okay. So and that's, then that's what you actually install each panel into? And then we install each one into those. Okay. You know, we'd have to put moldings around the interior and then put the stained glass in and then mold around the exterior. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit painstaking, and we're way up. I mean, we're, <laughs> we were up on a, I think we're 70-foot extended. Oh, my word. And, uh, yeah, and Larry was a little bit acrophobic. And uh, even though he was a small plane pilot, and I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, it's different. And it was different. I mean, you get up there, you have to get, you know, it, it makes you nervous. Ooh. And we had the bucket drop on us one time. We hit a button somehow, and it dropped us about a foot. And we we looked at each other and said, okay, yeah, that, I, guess, I guess it stops. You know, it didn't keep coming. And uh, so anyway, that's that's sort of part of the learning curve of yeah. public art. And okay. stained glass anyway. Very cool. So then doing that, and you talk about the drawings and stuff. So do you actually make these to scale, or how big do you make these as you're drawing them out? Well, just for instance, um, you know, I'll, I'll, draw, I'll hand draw uh, on, a, on a small, maybe 8, eight by 11 piece of paper. Okay. And then, uh, but I have to imagine it blown up to, say, whatever. Yeah. And then I'll work, I'll get the design done, and then I'll put it on a computer. And... Uh, so one summer I had a, a big airport pr- project and I, I decided uh, I wanted to learn how to put my designs. Again, you're competing. So what matters when you're really competing is you walk in. I always walked in with the design and it, originally you'd walk in with this crummy little watercolor painting or gouache or some, you know, I'm not good at any of that. And it, it would just look childish you know and I thought I've got to come up with something better and I thought if I could put this on mylar 
just put this on Mylar and put it in a model. Mm-hmm. And so it'd be transparent, and it would actually look like glass. I yeah. thought, I will have a leg up on this. So one summer, I didn't even know how to turn on a computer. <laughs> I had to wait for Karen to come home and say, how do you turn this machine on? And she showed me, and then I got a Photoshop uh, program and spent the entire summer learning Photoshop. And, you know, always forgetting to save your stuff, and you'd hit a button and off oh, it'd go. No. And, you, you know, I, yep. you know, the long learning curve, as anybody that's done that sort of thing knows. Uh-huh. So I learned how to, and I would take, I would scan my glass, and I would have those set in a, in a file. And then when I built my little design, each piece, each little section, just like as if you were cutting the glass, I would, I would inject that scanned glass into that design piece. Okay. So that if you have the right kind of glass and you put it on the mylar and print it out, it looks real. It'll wow. look a lot like that glass will look. And it gives you a sense of what the thing would really look like. And people really, they, they, only, they only get what they see. Yeah. And so I competed for a project in Florida against, uh, well, five other people, one other glass guy. Mm-hmm. And ordinarily, you, comp- you kind of pitch your, pro- your project by yourself. But this time, they had the TV cameras on. They let all of us in there. Everybody's wearing a suit and a tie, and I'm kind of, looking chuckle-headed <laughs> and uh you know it's florida you know it, they're a little more uh, formal yeah about their their uh, art projects i guess and it was a it was a county a, you know it was like a Latchua county courthouse regional justice center let's okay. call it huge building yeah it looked like something the nazis would have built it was cold <laughs> it was intimidating it was awful and so I walked in, and I, I wanted to do a whole bank of windows overhead up above and on both sides. And uh, I, I had studied the guy I'm competing against because he's in the books. And okay. so Arthur Stern had done, uh, he'd done federal courthouses before. Yeah. And I knew exactly what he was going to propose. He's going to do a little geometrical design. He's just going to repeat it down these eight sections, these yeah. big eight. And I thought... I'm going to do something similar, but I'm going to make mine look like one unified design, and you're going to be able to see this clear down to the theater district in Gainesville, Florida, which is the old part of town. And so went in, but I had this model, and it was a good model. And, uh, and there's Arthur looking at it, and I'm thinking, he says, how did you do that? And I'm thinking, this is the last thing in the world is I want my competition to Uh see what I'm doing. So that when I run into him the next time, he's got a Mylar model probably done by a crew of people well. Uh And uh, so anyway, it turned out that was the year of Bush uh, Gore. And they had that, you know, went back and forth, flip-flop, flip-flop. Well, they did the same thing with the art project. I lost the art project. I was number three out of five. Okay. And they had a count county council meeting and they said no we're not going to put they wanted to, the winner with thing was a guy who's going to do terrazzo on the tiles uh on the floor and they mm-hmm. said we're not going to pay this kind of money for something on the floor <laughs> so they went back and they picked me finally and so i got that project and went to florida um that was that was an interesting project so wow yeah very cool. So then when you're when you have a project that's way down there, do you not source the glass and stuff? I did I had a fabricator down there for that one. And then I went okay. down and he and I installed it. Okay. Um so that worked out real well. Nice. Um and I was competing for another one for a big architectural school project down there and uh didn't get it in Boca Raton. But uh I was gonna have him do both. Okay. He did the one. Okay. And, uh, so and I've I've had a fabricator on a two or three projects. And uh, with some success and some not success, yeah. you know, it, it's 
I won't get into it, but I had one guy that, you know, he was on, I think, coke and drugs, and he just wasn't coming through, and I'd paid him all the money up front, and it was just agonizing. Yeah. I thought, yeah, you've got to be a little smarter than this. But anyway, I'm not a good businessman, Brandon, (laughs) (laughs) in other words. Well, I think we all make mistakes, and we all learn from them. I make more than my share, but I try to learn a little bit from them. so when you're working with a fabricator, then are you just doing the design side, and then you're like they source the glass, they put it together? Or how does that work? A lot of times, well, one I I would buy the glass and and source it out, and uh, the one in Florida, one of the mistakes on that, I really wanted some nicer glass, and he he didn't want to spend the money. So uh, and also I don't think I could have gotten that nicer glass. I buy glass now from a a gentleman down in Fremont called uh, Jim Flanagan, and he stands in front of a furnace eight hours a day, five days a week, and he blows glass. Okay. And it is the most exquisite glass in nice. the world, I think. And uh, But he, he'll he blow crates for me. I just picked up four crates in the last few months of uh, his glass, and it's fabulous, fabulous glass. And most of this is going into the Stanwood High School. Okay. Yeah, so we got that. And, and one of the nice things that's happened this year was where I started out in Stanwood High School as a, as a little night class. Now I'm doing the the big commission for their high school, and okay. so it's full circle. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. So that's that's kind of ironic and wonderful at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. So, um, where all have you done projects for these? I've done a lot in Utah, um, Alaska, a couple, and uh, Florida, um, mostly mostly Oregon and Washington. Okay, um, and and a lot around here, you know, yeah. just locally too. And uh, so you know. Um, but again, Florida and, and Alaska put me clear at the, you know, tips of the diagonal part of the United yeah. States. And, uh, they were interesting. The one in Alaska, we drove it up the Alcan and, uh, that was quite an experience just to, just to drive that much glass and hope you don't break a piece Yeah, because you're going to drive back, <sighs> you know, and that's the other thing about all these. If you break something, you're going to have to go back. And yeah. so a little bit scary to go out of state. Yeah. Um, Stanwood High School is going to seem real nice to me. If I break a piece, I'll just bring it home. <laughs> we'll go back the next day. Yeah. So have you done that where you've gone out of state or anything like that when something's broken or gone wrong and you've had to... Knock up? on wood, Brandon. <laughs> Knock on wood. No, I haven't had that problem. No, okay. We've, we've managed. I, I have a, a whole shed at home that's filled with crates, just nothing but empty crates and styrofoam. Okay. So when I pack up, I pack them all in these crates tight real put them tight together and then uh put the crates together so it can't roll over yeah and uh drive them in a either my truck or if i need a big big truck we get a bigger truck and rent one and uh, okay and off we go and all the tools you carry all the tools that first project i talked about in wenatchee i didn't understand the game at the time i went over my little windows and went to put them in and realized oh I have to install these. I have to take apart their moldings. I have to have tools. And uh, it was a little, you know, humiliating. But, I, you know, I learned. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take your own tools. Wow. And, well, uh, on your, like, on those projects, on those beginning ones, like, you had to figure out, like, all of this stuff as you were going along, right? Or had you learned a little bit of that, of, like, installation and stuff like that? Well, each one, I, I'll be honest, each one post new problems it was amazing to me you think you've got it down and then you'd run into something you'd never seen before or you kind of couldn't get a lift truck where you thought you could get a lift truck the worst was we drove uh down to southern utah and i had they they let me 
they built a brand new main building and uh, to replace their old main, which is 100 and some years old. And okay. so they built this brand new building, and it had one big front that overlooked the entire campus. And it was 40 feet by 30 feet. And this is the biggest window I've really ever done. It, okay. the, the 70 by 20 was broken. You had empty spaces. But this one was was all continuous. Wow. And so we got down there, and uh, it took us three days to get down there. And I had a, I had a crew, a couple of guys. And uh, the architect had promised me that you wouldn't need scaffolding. You could go up on a lift truck. So I got down there. I just couldn't imagine how there's a staircase there. Mm -hmm. And so when I got there, sure enough, we had to build scaffolding. And I said, oh, you know, I told you at the beginning, I wouldn't want this project if I had to build scaffolding. And uh, not off stairs and not that high. And so we ended up putting scaffolding up, working off that, and there were really, really big panels. And uh, it was it was a hard, hard job. But uh, anyway, we got that done. And uh, so that was, a, that was a good project, finally. Wow. Cool. And then what do you, um, what's kind of your general runtime on your, a lot of the like bigger, you know, anything above a certain size? The time it takes to make them? Like, yeah, from start to finish, like getting started with the project. And then oh, gosh. Well, just getting started. We've been at the Stanwood High School for nine months already. Okay. And uh, just at, we're just at the design stage. We're going through a lot of, you know, uh, back and forth and trying to come up with what they want. And then they decided they don't want to put anything on the exterior windows. And we it's been a process. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're about done with that. But ordinarily... I would say the average project is over a year. Okay. Um, and I'm not a patient sort of person, but uh, <laughs> you've got to learn a little bit. But you you get it started, and then the building has to be built if it's not already built. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you're waiting for the building. And uh, But once I've got the the design up and drawn up, dry, drawing it up might take a few days for the big ones. Okay. And uh, once you start building, I'll usually go at it every day for seven days a week. And it I think... The longest I've gone is maybe a month, month and a half of wow. just cranking it out and then, you know, trying to get to the, you know, get, get ready for the installation. The installation takes not as long as people think um, for the most part. The Alaskan one where I was talking about really building that, that whole structure took yeah. us a week. Okay. Um, but it was a 35-foot by 15-foot uh, mural okay. over their back entry for a science building um good project it was interesting yeah um, so you know good to see alaska for for the project too yeah and, and that drive up was stunning yeah you know my it's God. beautiful that day. yeah yep. it was but it's the, it's beautiful but i'm like thinking about that with the with glass like in the back of your truck like the whole time i'd be thinking like i hope nothing goes wrong. oh i had been told that the uh there were frost heaves that it was a pretty difficult the facilities director up there even called me up and said i don't know jack he said i just came came down with a trailer and a motorcycle and he said i don't know whether you'll be able to do it or not but larry bach the guy that took me up yeah um he had a trailer trailer that had uh tandem wheels and so it took it took uh bumps really well and we didn't run into much frost heave it was okay. a pretty nice drive good you know it's not like the old days um <laughs> thankfully thankfully <laughs> Very cool. Well, a big thank you to Jack Archibald for joining me on the podcast, and thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to come back next week for part two of this episode, and I will see you on the next one. <laughs>